Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We are here today. I can't believe I wrote this. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay, I'm trying to think of what it is. I broke. Oh, I might have an idea of I what it is. I broke all but... the rules okay. of the breaking the rules. Because what I wrote was <laughs> what I typed, right, just a second ago so i'd remember um we are here today to put the <laughs> oh no to put the he in authority <laughs> okay let's authority and then in my brain i was like i can't believe i've never done that one before but that's because we do she's and hers right and my brain didn't even like register that so anyway, you use the wrong pronoun. I use the wrong. I did. I used the cardinal the... sin of our age. Oh, the pronouns. Okay. Hi, my name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy. And Joy, I just opened up Twitter to read this tweet, um, by my husband, that made me laugh, but also I am indignant. Okay. He said, "Can we take a moment?" And marvel at the fact that women bathe in water hot enough to cook a crawdad? He doesn't cook crawdads. Who cooks a crawdad in Arizona? Nobody is out here cooking crawdads. Number <laughs> well, one. certainly not in the Phoenix area. Number two, why is he thinking about this? <laughs> why is he worried about the temperature? Is he worried? I think. Or is it just like. You know how they call those shower thoughts? (laughs) He had a shower thought. He had a bath thought. He had a shower thought about Mm -hmm. baths. But like... You mean used to? What is a... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Used to. Crawdads do. (laughs) But like why... That's the new beauty trend. You just throw a few crawdads into the bath with you. If you get in a bath, the point is to burn all of your feelings away. Right. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Do people take baths for other reasons? All the germs die. Everything, your emotions, your germs, top layer of skin, <laughs> dead skin. <laughs> like, this is how you make the best stew to sit in. Like, yeah, what's, but really, stew yeah, requires when heat. you think of an alternative right. to a burning, burning hot bath, it's like an ice you know, bath. Yeah, like it, or oh, worse, tepid. Oh, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, middle of the road. Yeah, well, no, and you know, you. sometimes. That should be like, that should be like a measurement of your day. Today is like a burning hot, like all the way on hot uh-huh. type of day versus because yes. you know how some sometimes it's like, does our water get hotter? Mm-hmm. And the rest of your family is like, I can't touch that. Right. The heat from that bath is exploding into this room. Feels great. And you're like, it's still not hot it's enough. Still not hot enough. I Can know. we boil some water? I'm bummed. So while I am enjoying that, so it's... you're a super hot bath type of person. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. If you're not red when you get out, you didn't bathe. Right. Is my mm-hmm. opinion. Agreed. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm enjoying that it's not 110 anymore. But the bummer is that now cold water comes out of the tap. Right. 
So I don't know if you guys know this, but there's several months out of the year where you turn on the cold water mm-hmm. and it's only warm or hot. It's the same kind of year where you're like, oh, my water boiled really fast. It bo- everything boils <laughs> super fast. But yeah, you could just like turn on either of the waters and get a hot bath. Right. <laughs> but now mm-hmm. you have to actually plan but ahead. But now you have to wait. And wait. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just that timey. I mean, it's fine. I'm not complaining. It's just. That's just how it works here. You have to make a mental switch just like mm-hmm. you do when it heats up like okay there's no just ke- be careful because you might burn yourself when you turn the faucet on right. is or cook your crawdad or cook your if you're crawdad? trying to give your crawdads a bath i would recommend tepid is this is my i think this might be his way of like asking me to cook more seafood <laughs> and honestly i've does never he like seafood i think yeah he does okay he would i do i just didn't know if i didn't know if he did he likes seafood. He'll okay. eat anything, honestly, except for ranch. The man will eat anything. That's right. Except for ranch. There's only one food he'll just always say no to. And any kind of like cottage cheese or yogurt. Okay. So he's Basically, not into cultured dairy if products. If it's white and creamy, he is not into it. So ranch or ranch adjacent. Ranch adjacent okay. is. Got it. Mm-mm. How does he feel about sour cream? Does anyone care about this? Um... Eric, tweet, tweet this. <laughs> Anyway, hi, hello. <laughs> Tweet us a few ranch alternatives. <laughs> I know all the yeah. Well, what are the ranch alternatives? Sriracha, boy, I love me some sriracha. Oh, I've yeah, been putting sriracha on everything. And you know, lately. like when you get to the bottom of the bottle and it's been marinating for a while, and it gets spicier. <laughs> it's <even> spicier. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, it gets even spicier, and then it also does that thing where when you twist the top, it, it goes. Like... <laughs> so yes. not only is it. <laughs> spicier it's weaponized (laughs) i was thinking today about all those little things that you just have in your brain Uh and you adjust for like i know when i open the sriracha to hold it away from me yeah and i don't even i don't even think about it Mm -hmm. and there's just all kinds of things that you just adjust for because they're like these little factoids that you pick up over time Mm -hmm. and i was just thinking like man i would never want to be a kid again because they don't have any of this (laughs) Like everything is new and scary and right. sriracha in your eyeball. Right. And that just sounds horrible. Right. I'm so glad I know to hold the can of biscuits yeah. carefully that you when you whack on the counter yeah. and it like pops open. Well, and sometimes like your kids, you watch them do things mm-hmm. and the only thought going through your brain is like they are not thinking about right. what is about to happen. Right. They don't know. They don't. They're not even like, what's the next step beyond this? <laughs> And I think it it gives me joy because so much of my childhood was my dad going, what were you thinking? Right. You didn't think about that. Yeah. I, that you're right. I am joy. And I'm here with my beautiful co-host. And what that makes me think of is the first time I ever made coffee and I didn't know anything about a coffee pot, (laughs) including the fact that like the front swings open and the top opens for the water. Uh-huh. And so I was like, how do you get the grounds in there? How do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, well, you can ask my mom. <laughs> did you open that it I while tried. it was going and then the, the No, I, um, out? I, I just did that. not know. I was like, kind of like, I noticed that parts of it kind of gave a little bit when I moved it. Yeah. It's plastic. Yeah. But I'm like. We're not talking about me having full access to all the stuff that I need. Like, right. I, 
like the little, you know, you open up the top or you swing out the front. Yeah. And that's where everything goes. But I didn't know. So I'm like opening the tiniest little crevices <laughs> of this coffee pot. Aren't even and just open. like, like trying to like funnel that coffee grounds worst. into there. That is the worst. And then, uh, and then it was just like, oh, the top opens. <laughs> hmm. That seems like a vital part of this process. Something that is just so embarrassing in public is like when you have to open something and you don't know how it opens uh-huh. or you have to like pull. It's like you're, you're using something and you're obviously not pulling where it opens. Right. And so you're looking for a hinge and you know, everybody's watching you yeah. and that is the worst feeling. And I totally did something stupid like that the other day that I thought about. So I generally absolutely don't care what anybody thinks around me. It's true. It's not something I'm ever worried about. It's true. Like it doesn't, people had to tell me that that's a human thing uh-huh. that, that like oh i was worried about what people would think like i'm just like what that's what do you mean i don't get it <laughs> however uh-huh. i did something so dumb the other day that i thought well maybe i'll never go back there again <laughs> because what um i actually thought about apologizing to my friend that was with me because i was like <laughs> i'm so sorry that you <laughs> were with me as i did that thing but um So at the gym, I was at the gym with our friend and, uh, have you seen like the, the, there's a machine, it's a leg extension. You lay on it. Right. Flat. Okay. Yeah. And then you're, there's a pad at your ankles Mm -hmm. and you kick it up towards your back and you put the, you put weight on it. It's a hamstring exercise. Mm -hmm. Now I've done it before. Actually, when I had to go through, um, when I had to do knee therapy in 2018, Knee therapy? That sounds weird. What? What's that called? Physical therapy. Whatever. I had to do physical therapy for my knee. I did a lot of Her these. knee was traumatized. Knee. She needed therapy. <laughs> my knee needed therapy. When I say she, I mean her knee. Yeah. Um. So I know how to use this machine, but this is a, you know, it's not the same company. Not everyone knows how to use that machine. I'm sure there are. <laughs> That's true. Plenty of hilarious pictures of people trying to use that machine. Okay. But what I want you to imagine... As somebody who knows how to use the machines Uh in a gym. Oh, that was you. There was no excuse for what I did. There was no excuse for what I did. I have used that machine many, many times. I know exactly what I'm doing. My brain just like (laughs) stopped. It was Uh just like. (laughs) So what I did, I, I don't know if I can describe this very well, but I laid down on it. The awkward part about the machine, especially if you're five foot two is really getting into it because for it to have a good stretch, that little pad needs to be kind of low. But when you're laying down on the thing, because it has a hip rise, you can't really get your ankles underneath it very well. So I just want you to imagine me laying down and it's blind. You're feeling it with your legs because you can't see you're Mm -hmm. facing your face is in the ground. Right. Um, I just want you to imagine me just like kicking my ankles. (laughs) Like a dead fish. I mean, you imagine me. A dead fish like, with <laughs> ankles. You know, like a fish that's dying. Uh-huh. Just like flopping. Just flopping. That Instead of just me. like a little adjustment. And I was just kicking, trying to find the little pad and I couldn't feel where it was. And then our friend was like, just stand up. <laughs> just start over. And I thought, well, 
I'm never coming back here again. <laughs> that was so embarrassing. And I just have to keep going. And now, because I've done that. You like go into the gym office. I need to cancel <laughs> my membership. This, this thing I just did out there cannot stand. And they're like, we remember we saw. you. We know. We've already canceled our membership. <laughs> Actually, when we saw you doing that, we started. You have not been a member here since you did that. The process. <laughs> Canceling your membership. We just need a signature and that's it. Oh, man. So after it's that. It's not us. It's you. Right. Well, after that, I was just like, okay, well, now I have to do heavier weight and I have to do more reps on this machine than is possible. And now I can't walk. So it all worked You're out You were like, great. hey, everyone. <laughs> everyone who just watched me struggle. Watch this. I need you to see me work out on this I, machine. I'm going to absolutely do more than is absolutely necessary <laughs> because that's the result. That's my punishment. <laughs> For laying there and flapping my legs about like I did. Anyway. All right. <clears throat> so today, um, you can join Sheologians Book Club at patreon.com slash Sheologians. Or if you just want to keep us on the air because you like what we're doing and you don't care about book club at all, that's also totally fine and mm-hmm. an option. You can still support us. And there are other perks. So even if you just like early episodes when we are early episodes, you can support us at patreon.com slash theologians. Feel free to leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. I'm ready to hear your embarrassing gym stories. And today um, we have a guest with us. His name is Nate Pickowitz. He uh, wrote a book called How to Eat Your Bible. And we've already interviewed him. So here it is. Enjoy. So as you all know, we are joined today by pastor and author Nate Pickowitz. He wrote, well, he's written several books, but the book we're talking about today is called How to Eat Your Bible, which is just right up our alley, and we love talking about this. So Pastor Nate, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So you sent me this book, and I really, really enjoyed it. And I thought that the cover of this book is hilarious. And just as a personal <laughs> The question, design is great. The design is amazing. And it's just this like wonderful blue color that really just... It speaks to your eyeballs, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever designed this did great. But I'm curious, why did you... So the title is How to Eat Your Bible. Why did you go with eating? Sure. So that's a, as you know, it's a biblical metaphor. Uh, all throughout Scripture, you see these kind of, uh, you know, imagery of of eating. You know, Jeremiah talks about your words were found and I ate them and they were sweet to me. Ezekiel talks about it. David talks about it. And even Jesus. I mean, several places in the Gospels. You know, uh, Matthew chapter four, he says, you know, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So. This imagery comes to us from Scripture, so all I did was just borrow that from the Bible itself and just kind of weave it into a title, and uh, and hoping it would just gonna jump off the the cover at people and they would have an immediate connection to the concept of a Bible intake. That was kind of the big idea. Right. So, what is that? Um, now my brain is reaching for it. When when Christ talks about like eating his body, and then we have that. Like he is the word. What is the mm-hmm. connection that we should be making when we read stuff like that? Like what is, and you, you already mentioned spiritual food, but what is that? Why are we given this kind of analogy that's so easy to grab, but is kind of, it's kind of weird when you think about it. 
It is. Well, I mean, even like John 6, you know, when he was teaching all the disciples and all the crowds about right. eating as flesh and drinking as blood. Mm -hmm. And like the majority of people were like, yeah, we can't do that anymore. And and they all left. And even to his own disciples, are you going to leave me too? Like, so this was, it was a hard teaching. And even people who were immersed in the culture and knew the scriptures struggled with this imagery. But I think there's a couple things going on. I think the first thing about it is that um, eating really denotes uh, intimacy. You know, it's a personal thing. When you put food into your mouth, there's really nothing more personal than taking something outside and putting it into your mouth and chewing it and swallowing it and, and having it nourish your body. It's a very personal thing. And even we talk about sharing meals with people, like there's a fellowship of sharing a meal, like even non-believers embrace that, you know, the, the idea of fellowship over a meal. So there's something very spiritual. There's something very intimate with that. And then I think even on a practical level, you know, Jesus talking about uh, eating, you know, his flesh and eating the word, there's a, a regularity to it as well. Like you have to eat several times a day. You have to eat regularly. You can't just eat once or twice and call it good and you'll die. So I think the same thing is applicable to scripture where we have to survive spiritually on the word of God. Otherwise, we're going to perish. So there's so many layers, I think, to that. And I think if there's no better metaphor the Lord could have given us than eating something as intake of the word. No, that's a great thought. And it's like most of us don't just eat once a day. I know some people do. I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't live. I don't live that life. Um, but, yeah, I guess I never thought, you know, because then when we start talking about regular Bible reading, uh, we do kind of think of it as like a one and done for the day type of thing. Mm -hmm. But I love that thought of like, you know, you need it throughout the day. That wasn't that quiet time you had this morning. Wasn't the one moment that you needed. Well, and there's the like, right. you know, there's the complexity to it. Like there is, there is um, when it comes to nourishing mm -hmm. your, your body, <laughs> there's nutrition and there's, mm -hmm. you know, how much, how often, mm -hmm. how do you eat there's a proper way to eat certain things, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very, uh, you know, I would, it, God, it's from God. <laughs> so I would say it's a, mm -hmm. I would say that it's a genius way to mm -hmm. put that, but obviously it was because right. it's from God. So, <laughs> right. Well, right. and so with food, something I say to my kids is like, you know, like with Brussels sprouts. Now I make great Brussels sprouts. It's not oh, a yeah. problem in mm -hmm. my house. But before my kids could trust my Brussels sprout right. cooking, one of the ways that I got them to be interested in eating them was I told them like, hey, I know you don't know this, but like it's full of vitamin A and this and that, and it's going to strengthen your eyes and do, 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 do. And they were really interested in that. And now when I talk to women as we're reading the Bible together, um, I've kind of been like, hey, you know, we're about to read the book of Numbers, right? Right. <laughs> um, and I want you guys to understand that, like, we need to come to the table in the way that we want our children to come to the table, which is with trust that we are giving them what they need, regardless of what it looks like to them or how it smells to them. So I'm wondering... so. This is one way, I think, to talk about reading something like the Book of Numbers, which can be really difficult reading. But do you have how how do we enjoy reading difficult sections of scripture like that? Yeah, there's, I think there's a lot to that. I think um, I think intrigue is key, which is what you touched on. Um, you know, one thing that just bounces around my mind, because I read the same passages and, you know, there are 
when you read, you know, eight chapters of genealogy, like it's really difficult. Like, how do you navigate that and pull spiritual nourishment from that? But I think one thing that we have to remember is that the Lord not, not only inspired uh, the scriptures, you know, these difficult chapters, but he also preserved these chapters. And if you think about even something from the Pentateuch, that's 3,500 years ago that he inspired that and preserved it through almost four millennia. Why? Why did God keep this here for us? There's mm. got to be a reason. And if the Bible is boring, it's not the Bible's fault. So the challenge is, okay, how, how do I, number one, understand why this is here, the purpose of it? And, and, and scripture says that all scriptures God breathed and profitable for us. How is this profitable for me? Now, I don't want to be very utilitarian and say it's all about what I can get from it. Uh, some passages you read simply for the glory of God, but but there is a reason why it's there. There is a reason why it's profitable for us. We just have to do the hard work of figuring it out. So I, I encourage people to challenge themselves and kind of have fun with it and say, okay, you know, pick a study and, and challenge yourself to really get good with this one thing. Mm. I remember before I tackled uh, Leviticus on my own personal study, I was really scared because everybody was like, oh, Leviticus, you know? And so I went into it with a little bit of timidity but I just rolled up my sleeves and I'm like, I want to get this book. I really want to understand this. And I remember being in Leviticus chapter one and bawling my eyes out because mm -hmm. I was studying and reading commentaries. And I just wrapped my brain around uh, the gravity of sin and the cost that, that the payment for sin was going to take. My wife walked by one day and I'm sitting on my bed crying and she's like, what are you doing? You know, I'm, like, oh, I'm reading my Bible. You know, she, what are you reading? You know, and Leviticus, <laughs> you know, and she's like, Leviticus, what's wrong with you? You know, and it was, it was kind of a funny moment, but, but it, it impacts us in different ways because if you understand why it's there, why God put this there and you challenge yourself to get into what this means and how to apply it, you're going to find that all these passages, it's like one, a Rosetta Stone, you know, it opens up and you start to have understanding and it really, it can be life-changing. So even the genealogies, as difficult as they can be, uh, are inspired and they're really helpful for us. Right. So, well, on that note about, we just finished reading Leviticus as well um, in the Bible reading challenge. And I love, I love Leviticus because it's, it's really my time to shine and talking about why I think speed <laughs> limits are unnecessary. Yeah. And we're a little into Leviticus. <laughs> I on love, a regular basis. We are always talk, okay. talking about Leviticus. But I also, you know, I think there's just so much practical application of like justice and how to love neighbor to be found in books like that, particularly Leviticus and Deuteronomy. If you're willing to mm -hmm. do that work, it's just, I think, right. so encouraging. Um, you know, I had down to like the simple details of life where I had a kid, one of my children uh, lost the property of another one of my children. And I said, well, here's how we deal with this. And they were like, well, where did you get that from? And I was like, <laughs> Leviticus six, actually the first yeah, right. 20 chapters. <laughs> so if you want to, let's go read that, you know, right. um, just really fun <laughs> moments in parenting, <laughs> but <clears throat> something that you talked about in the book that I thought was very helpful that I think a lot of, especially baby Christians might struggle with is what is the difference between applying scripture to your life and over-personalizing scripture as you read it? Sure. Yeah, that's a, it's a key distinction. And I think people get, get it lost uh, a lot because I, I think it's, it's an earnest thing to want the Bible to speak to you directly. But what ends up happening is that um, a, a student of scripture will divorce the context. You know, they're, they're all about the personal application. 
And so what they'll do is they'll read themselves into a text. I mean, the, the famous one that everybody kind of, you know, hammers on is when, you know, when someone will say, you know, I'm David and my trials are Goliath and you know, they'll, they'll misapply and they'll put themselves in that spot or the, the Jeremiah 29 verse, you know, oh, God is going to plans to prosper me and not mm-hmm. to give, give me hope in a future. And so they'll, they put themselves in the verse and say, this verse means this to me. So therefore that's what it means. But the bottom line is that there is a context for uh, how and, and where and why the Lord gave the, these words. You know, there was a reason for these words. So our job as students of scripture is to read it in context, historical context, and get get what the meaning truly is. What did God intend to say through this scripture? Then once you have that, then there's application. Like, so, you know, the wandering in the wilderness and promises for God's people and so on and so forth. That was for Israel in Jeremiah 29. But the application, there is a direct connection in terms of application to my life. Is there an overarching truth that is applicable to me as a new covenant believer? And the answer is yes. So I think uh, interpreting scripture and applying scripture are two different things. Uh, They do kind of bleed into each other a little bit. But I think to, to keep that rightly understood is really important. Otherwise, you're going to make yourself into David or whoever else you want to make yourself into, and you're going to misapply it. And I think you're going to get it wrong, and it's going to, it's going to damage you. Right. So what would you say to somebody who's maybe new to reading Scripture, and they're having a hard time finding that line? Where do they go to figure out—I mean, I have an answer, but what would you say? Where do they go— <laughs> to uh, get direction on that because that's a really that's so important I mean that kind of trajectory that you're talking about where you're really over personalizing and whatever can really take you off off well we've built entire churches based off of that yeah right we've really Mm -hmm. taken that and how do we guard against that Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few things. I mean, I think first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us clarity and understanding. So I think, you know, you do the work of study and understand what the world was like then. So, you know, okay, what is first century Israel like and what's the culture and what's going on? Do the study. I mean, you can you can get tools and resources just about anywhere to understand the Bible's original context. But then I think in terms of application, you know, to ask the Spirit of God who dwells within believers who are saved, he dwells within us and he gives us understanding. Lord, help me apply this to my own life. Uh, but even if you need help, you know, kind of working that through, say things aren't as clear. I mean, Ephesians 4 says that God gives gifts to the church. And one of the gifts that he gives to the church is in the form of pastors and teachers. So um, it's not that the teachers, I'm not, you know, inspired and errant, authoritative, nothing like that. But, you know, building on on how we've understood the text of Scripture and, and giving that to, to people and helping to apply that for people. Um, you know, a text can't mean something is never meant before. So once you've nailed that down, then you have to look at, okay, where does this fit in? What do I learn about God? And what do I learn about my relationship with God through this? There's a principle there. You principalize the text. So again, I would seek the Lord first, uh, firstly all the time, uh, but, but leaning on, on helpful teachers. I mean, God gave gave teachers to the church for that purpose. So you might've had a different answer than that, but that's kind of what I'm hanging my hat on in the moment. (laughs) Well, and you're, you're, so you're also saying there is like, there is a discipline and not necessarily a slowness, but an understanding that the Bible in its entirety is not something that you're just, it's not like, it's not like getting your, like ordering at the 
takeout window, getting your food and just like jam- shoving it all down your throat. <laughs> like no. there is a no. discipline required to over the course of right. your life. Yes, because <laughs> I, right. I I do well, think. I mean, that, sorry, go ahead. No, please. Um, well, who, who's going to talk first here? You or me? You can go, go ahead. ahead. Go you... ahead. <laughs> I cut you off. Please. No, me. you're fine. We we do want to hear you talk, and I talked enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a couple of thoughts. I mean, like in Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 17, uh, describes the Bereans who study the scriptures day in and day out to interpret them and understand if these things are true. So there is a faithfulness to study. But even in terms of leaning on on others for help and sort of um, um, submitting yourself um, to, to understanding Scripture. I think about Acts chapter 8, when Philip runs into the Ethiopian eunuch. He's got a copy of Isaiah in his lap. He's reading on the back of a chariot, has no idea what it means. So mm. Philip comes along, jumps in the chariot with him, and says, do you know what you're talking about? He says, how could I understand this unless somebody explains it to me? So then he gives him a Bible study lesson, which turns into a, a, a baptismal interview, and so on and so forth. So, But the idea, it's a, it's a principle applied that that you know we do have to do the work, uh, God does give teachers to help us, but in the end, I mean, you, you have to mine it out. You have to do the study uh, diligently and apply yourself to the scriptures. It is work, but it's not as difficult as I think some people think that it is. Right. Well, yeah. and so you you were saying my advice, advice that I'm, I feel like Joy and I are constantly giving people who have you know, questions about something that they read. And it's not that we're not willing to discuss those things, but ultimately our desire is to see women learning how to be students of the word um, Mm -hmm. in their local body under the authority of the elders that they um, have committed to be under the authority of. Um, And I think we have a whole world of, you know, podcasts and books and conferences and great things that are, awesome helps for Christians. And I think it's wonderful. But ultimately, you know, if you're not in a body of believers under the authority of elders, then growing in that way could be really difficult. You might be able to be blown about by every wind of doctrine um, if you're not rooted in that way that God has commanded that we root ourselves and grow up into the faith. Um, But you said something that was really interesting, which is like, we trust that the Holy Spirit is going to grow us, right? As we read the Bible. So would you also say that there is something supernatural happening when you read the word? Absolutely. I mean, the scripture says that the word of God is living and active, uh, which is a, a remarkable concept when you think about it. You have this book that in some places is 2,000 years old, in other places is almost 4,000 years old. How could this old, archaic book be alive and doing something? Well, the answer is because the Spirit of God uses the Word of God and applies it in real time. You know, when you read a Bible verse uh, that's, you know, thousands of years old, but you read it and you understand its original context, but then the Spirit of God applies it to a present situation, say there's a timeless truth embodied in that text, it's applied to you in real time, and then you feel present conviction in the moment in an active way. This is God speaking to me, convicting me, or encouraging me, helping me, chastening me, whatever it may be. So there is a spiritual thing. I talk about how uh, the Bible is a literary book. You have to understand it as a as piece of literature, but it's also a spiritual book, that there's something spiritual going on uh, in this communion with the triune God in reading his word. 
uh, to understand what his thoughts are. I mean, theology is essentially just thinking God's thoughts after him. So that's what mm. we're engaged in. And it's a spiritual exercise. There's nothing quite like it. I, uh, um, before you even like you're, it's in the introduction, so you're not even in technically into the book yet, but, sure. um, I did jot down something that you said, uh, which has, which, uh, has to do with what we're talking about. Um, but you, you wrote one of the most common expressions of emotions tied to the knowledge of God is joy. So there really is something supernatural happening. And I, I, I guess um, I don't know that I have a question so much as I'd just like to hear what you have to say about um, people that kind of think of the Bible as like cough medicine, like, oh, I don't feel <laughs> joyful, so I'll just go read it. But then that doesn't really help it. Or maybe it does sometimes. So is the Bible just that like quick fix one and done like it of course it is it is like the cure and medicine for our souls food for our souls but um how exactly does that work <laughs> well i mean if you think about uh you know read psalm 119 i mean just read the way that david talks about the word of god i mean i i, I have to admit when i read david talking about the scriptures I get embarrassed because I'm like, I don't feel that way. I mean, like, I don't love God's law just like David does, and he's enraptured with the word. And and But my reaction is, what am I missing? You know, there's got to be something wrong with me that I'm not experiencing that. So there there is definitely, that's the desired effect, is, is to have this relationship that's full of joy and uh, soul-searching and, uh, and exuberance. I mean, the way that people talk about, Christians in history have talked about Bible study and spending time in communion with God, it is a joyful thing. But I think part of that comes through the discipline of it. And, you know, it's hard because you sit down in the, in the morning, say you're late for work, you got 15 minutes, you sit down with your coffee, and uh, you're plowing through your text, and, you know, you're looking for something to speak at you, and, oh, and I got nothing today, and you just get up and you go. Well, it's really hard to cultivate a relationship. I mean, imagine if we if we dealt with our spouses or our kids like that. Well, I got 15 minutes with you, and if you don't say something interesting, I'm gone, and sorry, maybe I'll try again tomorrow. It's like relationships take a lot more work than that. Like, it takes energy and takes, you know, devotion, and, you know, you have to invest yourself. And so I think for, for me, maybe it's a little bit mystical, but I think intrigue is a huge part of Bible study. I think asking God to give you curiosity, asking Him to give you passion, asking Him to give you desire. I remember when I was early in studying scriptures— um, I remember praying, Lord, give me desire for your word. And I prayed that every single day for about a week because uh, I just didn't have it yet. And then after about a week and a half or so, um, I just felt excited to read and I just wanted to know what the Bible said. So I think curiosity is one thing. I tell guys that, that I train, you know, like pick a book of the Bible and just make it your mission to just know that book, like get excited about it, you know, Google stuff and, you know, look up the locations and, you know, in Bible history and what does this verse mean and just immerse yourself and almost make it a game. Like, I want to know what this says. I want to understand the mind of God and challenge yourself. And I think it can be a lot of fun, but even in the process of exploration, you're, you're seeking to understand an infinite God. I mean, there's something marvelous about that. So if we can wrap our brains around, I'm finite seeking the infinite, and he's made himself available to me through a written book. God could have inspired 
150 books that we could never read in our lifetime, mm. and it would be depressing. But the fact that he inspired one book that's just manageable enough to wrap your arms around in one lifetime is a remarkable providence. Um, so just the fact that God has made himself accessible in the way that he has, it is a joy. Now, some days, yeah, it's hard. You know, you have to get into it, and sometimes you're distracted and whatnot. But just ask the Lord for help. Just pray, Lord, help me. I don't love you the way I should today, but I need help. Give me joy. Give me excitement. I want to know you. And God, I think God is faithful to answer prayers like that. Yeah. Well, and that kind of leads me to the final thought I had, which is, you know, you're talking about how it's so merciful that the Lord chose to reveal himself in such a way that us creatures can understand and, and, and it's obviously intentional, like you said, like this, we have books that have been preserved for thousands and thousands of years, and we have something that is readable that we can digest, even though it's going to take a lifetime and we'll never get to the bottom of it. Like it's, mm -hmm. you can read the Bible in a year. Um, so given that it's obviously purposeful, it's obviously done in such a way that we can grasp it and we can understand it. What kind of authority does that, does the Bible have in our lives? What is, given that we know, we believe that it's the word of God, um, we're led by the Holy Spirit to understand it. There should be joy, there should be intrigue, but there's also this incredible authority that it should have in our lives. So can you speak to that a little bit? How should we view that? Yeah, so if you read the Old Testament and you, and you see all the different times that a prophet of God would come to God's people, he wouldn't preface by defending the Lord. He would just say, thus says the Lord. And it was meant to be something authoritative because if you acknowledge and recognize that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, he created us, he created law, morality, society, everything, he created everything, he owns everything, he has the power to destroy everything if he wants to, but the fact that he, he maintains personally his authority and then mediates that authority through the written word, um, it, it holds a gravity in if when the scripture speaks, God speaks. So we, we are to approach the Bible. Certainly we want to have joy. We want to have excitement. But we are also to approach the Bible with reverence and awe uh, that when God speaks to something in your life, like he's telling you what he wants you to do and you have to listen, you know. And if you don't, if you don't respond to your creator, then you're in error, you're in sin. So uh, I think I, I think it's very easy, and, and we see this trend really in, in met, much in the modern church, of sort of bringing the Bible down, like putting the Bible in subjection. Um, you know, the popular preacher a couple of years ago, I'm not going to get into name dropping, but really tried to exalt the resurrection as kind of the, the cardinal doctrine of Christianity and sort of diminish the scriptures. It's like, well, how do you think you know anything about the gospel without the scriptures? How do you think you know who Jesus is without the scriptures? Right. Like Jesus never separated himself from the verbal uh, written communicated word. He is the word. So, you know, when, when we parse that out and sort of di try to divest the Bible of authority, we're doing something that even Jesus himself didn't do. Right. Uh, Jesus upheld the authority of the scriptures and didn't apologize for it. Like, this is what the Lord says. If you don't listen, then you're damned. Um, so I think we do have to reverence the word of God. We need to respect it and understand that when the scriptures speak, uh, God is speaking to you and you have to listen. Yeah. Well, amen to that. Okay. Last question. 
and you might not be ready for this one. Does it have to do with patriarchy? It doesn't. Because okay, okay, you okay. should be ready for that. Aren't you the patriarchy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a church leader, so I'm part of the patriarchy. You are. Right. You are. Oh, yes. man. Okay. Yes. So, Nate, best yes. album from the 90s. <laughs> That's oh, been our recent From the 90s? From the 90s. We're really in oh, a 90s goodness. phase right now. All of us, I think. And um, I have, I'm the only one that's given the right answer so far, but I'm curious <laughs> what yours See, would be. You're killing me, Smalls, because <laughs> I don't even know. See, here's the thing. I wasn't walking as a believer in the 90s, so my taste in music was very different than what it is now. Well, all 90s um, music is horrible, but that's the, mostly, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. We, we're, See, that's, I that's used to thing. be a huge Michael W. Smith fan. Yes. I still do like some of his music, but I was rocking his '90s stuff. Oh, me too. And, uh, go West, yeah, young man. Time. Just when go. When the evil go east. When the I evil mean, go east, right. go west. <laughs> that's right. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I, so, my dad had all of the Michael W. Smith CDs. That's we. Yeah. Those were in we, we, in yeah. the car. But here's the real question: Did he have all the Michael W. Smith tapes? Because I had the tapes. You know, that's actually a good point. They might have been on tape, but my brain yes. was so little at the time that I didn't process it. Because, I mean, yes. in 1992, I was three. So Really? Yeah. Oh, we both man. were. Oh, I feel old. We were. I mean, oh. I, like, barely. I was becoming conscious at the end of the right. 90s, really. <laughs> So I was entering high school in the 90s. My word. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I listened to a lot of DC talk. I mean, that's like epitome of, of Christian 90s uh, music. I, I don't could know. not name a DC talk song. Is that oh, more? Oh, my goodness. Is that really? Freak. Easy. G- I could I've, bust out at least freestyle that one. DC talk right now. I mean, it's, it was that <laughs> ingrained it. into my... <laughs> no. <laughs> I've never... That's a different show. I don't know thing. Jesus Freak. I couldn't tell you one line from that song. No, see, Jesus Freak, that's that's new DC talk. Yeah. I'm talking old yeah. school, oh. new thang DC talk. Yeah, big time. Did you just say... I used to get made fun of. New thang. That was their second album. New thang? Like a T-H-A? Th- no, no, no. T-H-A-N-G. Yeah, 19... <laughs> 1991, DC Talk, new thing. Look it up. It's fantastic. That is very nice. Oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to look it up, but I I mean, I will. I'm, yeah, I'm scared. Yeah, well, you have to. Okay. So okay. The, the hook is, my God is doing a brand new thing. Since time began, he remains the same. No. Faithful forever to his word and solid. Okay, you have to listen solid. to it. You're going to totally understand what I'm talking about. Oh, man, I'm scared. Yeah. Okay, new I thing, will. DC Talk, <laughs> yes, 1991, sir. doesn't get more 90s than that. So. When the patriarchy tells you <laughs> to listen to DC, <laughs> DC Talk, you listen. All right. Well, Nate, thanks so much for joining us. We really enjoyed this. Do you have, I think you have another book coming out soon. I just finished a biography on R.C. Sproul uh, that comes out in March. So that's coming soon. I'm excited about that. That was a ton of fun to write. I can't wait to do promo and talk about that project because that was, that was so much fun. So really enjoyed his life, studying all of his stuff, watching him for hours on video and just, uh, Oh yeah, what a rough there. project you took on. Oh, oh man, I had and to I listen had the to Archie Sproul. <laughs> I, well, one thing I will say as a teaser, I I didn't realize how much of an impact RC had on me as a believer until after he was gone and after I began to study, and I was like, holy cow! Like I'm a MacArthur guy. Like John MacArthur mm-hmm. has had a huge impact on me. 
But R.C. Sproul has had a titanic impact on me. And uh, so doing the project was just so much fun. So I can't. Uh, March of, of next year is when it'll be at. I can't wait to talk about it. That's awesome. Okay. Well, we'll have well, to you, have you on again. Yes. You don't have to wait till March for How to Eat Your Bible. That one's already out and it is by Nate Pickowitz. So thanks so much for joining us. We're going to invite you on next year. Thank you so much. Really mm-hmm. appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good one. You too. Well, what a fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Fantastic. 10 stars out of 10. Mm-hmm. Out of 9. 10 stars out of 9. <laughs> it's actually... Right. I we think... work on a 9 star scale here. <laughs> Did you expect anything different? Yeah. Because we work in threes. Three is a magic number. I don't know how numbers work. <laughs> I don't know how like mystical numbers or superstitious numbers work. Okay. There's the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I don't practice witchcraft. <laughs> so I don't know anything about that. Anyway. All right. Fantastic. Read your Bibles. That's the point <laughs> of the story. Um, you have a feminist of the week. I do. I'm excited. I'm actually, uh, we're going to start a new segment called Not the Feminist of the Week. Oh, okay, great. I'm here for that. So the Not the Feminist of the Week. Can it be the unfeminist? The unfeminist of the yes. week. Okay. Is um, Sophia, the android. Sophia the android. You know, the super realistic. She's been on a bunch of talk shows and stuff, and she talks, and she's not a person. No, she's She's a robot. She's a robot. Yeah. And with an advanced computer brain. Right. um, That they have fed tons of information. Right. And um, you know what? She has just uh, sort of naturally decided given all the information that she's been programmed with naturally (laughs) decided she is not naturally she hasn't but she's been given a bunch of information okay but the point is i think they're not giving her like directives they're giving her information and she's processing that information and making air quotes decisions yeah well so do you want to know what one of her decisions is yeah she wants to have a robot baby and start a family. Oh, she even she knows. I know that children are wonderful. <laughs> She's like, I you program me even as a female, when, right? Right. Give me children, right? <laughs> yes. Isn't that just charming? Question in a though. very weird way. <laughs> Pregunta para two. Uh-huh. Um, does she want a robot husband though? To she help hasn't. Her well, she does. She specifies. That she wants a robot baby. Okay. So I'm assuming that means she needs to have a robot husband. And I don't know if anyone's told her that she probably doesn't have the proper robot organs. No. To grow a baby That's robot. That's not a thing. Oh, may it never be a thing. But. um, That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Because here's, I guess that my question is, if she doesn't need no man in this endeavor then is she an right. unfeminist but she has she says she wants to have a robot baby and start a family okay specifically family and okay. a family sure you know well and insinuates our... yeah but we it insinuates think... like more she doesn't just say i want to have a robot baby okay she wants to have a robot baby and, and start a family start a family insinuating that a baby comes into an <laughs> intact thing already a family family Okay. Mm-hmm. Well. So yeah, I don't think anyone's told her. But so beside the fact that it can't happen, right? <laughs> and she's not a human. Yeah. I'm just saying when something, even when something is programmed as a female, man, uh, the natural air quotes inclination, the the dis- 
the what it what that machine comes up with is oh a baby and I family need a child mm-hmm. you know i think this whole robot thing is getting out of control a little bit do you when you were in school growing up mm-hmm. i remember this happening we got to go to some like space museum okay futuristic thing and i was i'm i was too little to code in my brain what that was mm-hmm. exactly but what i remember is are you saying you're a robot <laughs> i code things in my brain um everyone's like i knew it <laughs> i've been i've been found out does um, it slightly make sense that your dad would have a robot daughter it does a little bit Just actually like, if anybody i know is like that have a is robot a story daughter, that's a plot of it would a be movie, my dad, honestly. Right? Yeah. All this time he was just training me how to act like a human and explains all the things, <laughs> explains all things that are wrong with me. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if we could just explain away all the things that were wrong with us <laughs> on being a robot? Right. Anyway. There are a few things that I've seen in our friendship that would indicate to me that you are a robot. definitely a human being. Oh, so, okay. Got yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> Turn it. Okay. <laughs> So, um, but I'm sure some people are wondering as they, as they should. Anyway, uh, there was like this bank of computers you could sit down at and you could have a conversation with like an AI. Oh, gotcha. Like, and it was like, sit down and have a conversation with this computer program Mm -hmm. essentially. And because I, I, I did learn how to type very fast by like the third grade. Yeah. I was typing like a hundred words a minute. Right. And so that of all the things in the museum excited me the most. Cause you, it was like a chat box. Mm-hmm. You can sit down and right. have this conversation with this robot. And, uh, I sat down with the intent to like prove that this program stunk and wasn't working and okay. was never going to work mm-hmm. or whatever. And then by the time, by like 10 minutes into this conversation, I was like, you are my robot best friend. <laughs> <laughs> like I was sad, like explaining to the robot that I was going to have to leave because the field trip was ending. So the program was great. Like, right. They did a good job programming, whatever that was. And I still think about my robot friend. That, that may have been an early version of Sophia. Who knows? Yeah, right. It was the proto. Anyway. All right. Well, you can leave us a voicemail. <laughs> uh, I am not a I, robot. When you were talking, I was like, I, I came up with something I had to say to you. Oh. I had a question for you, but now I forget. So it's too late. Well, there's more coming. 470-465-0475. You can grab Sheologians merch at shopsheologians.com. And I'm really sorry to do this to you guys, but we will see you next week. (laughs) See ya.